Do you need a slate? I'll go ahead. There you go. Very fancy slate you've got there. You like that? That's what big, I do. Big budget. Fucking twenty years I've been doing this. <laughs> I'm still I'm still clapping. You're a clapper. Yeah, or yeah. a horn. So I, yeah. I horn sometimes. Oh, in the car. Yeah, if I've idea. got yeah, if I've got outside mounts, I do the horn slate. Great, great. Yeah. Um, I'll just do a bit of an intro and Go we'll ahead. run from there. Yeah. Get everyone. Welcome back to Porsche Talk Podcast. Today I am joined by Matt Farah from The Smoking Tire. G'day, Matt. Thank G'day. you for joining me today. Thanks for coming by my place. No worries. It's, uh, it's amazing. If anyone gets the opportunity or needs cars stored, come and see Matt because yeah. it's pretty impressive. We do tours if, you're, if your people are in town. We had some Aussies here yesterday. Yeah, great. If, if you got people in town, yeah. Was all... them, we do tours to the public. There's a lot of Aussies in town right now for Rensport. Yeah, there was a, a whole group of them that were on their way sort of doing a, you know, it's the traditional uh, San Francisco via Los Angeles pilgrimage. Sure, sure. It's like, if you're here, you might as well drive 400 extra miles. <laughs> Which, when you're in Australia, isn't that far. It's not that far. No, no right. it's not that far. It's And actually, it's, it's, a, it's a nice drive uh, here as well. It's sort of like... There's a lot of very pretty ways to do that drive, and so I uh, I do it myself all the time, and uh, it's pretty nice. Yeah, great. I've been in the States for a couple of weeks now, and like yourself, when you're in another country, you are no doubt as entertained by the cars you don't get to see at home. Sure, yeah, of and course. I've got a few notes that I've made. I wouldn't mind some of your <laughs> yeah. observations okay. about cars in the USA. Yeah, hit me. Okay, good yeah. one. Firstly, I'll just give you a bit of an idea on what the itineraries involve, and it'll give you some idea on, you know, okay. perspective. Um, we flew into uh, JFK. Okay. Then headed up through Connecticut, Massachusetts to mm-hmm. Maine. Okay. Okay, and then uh, came back down south inland through Pennsylvania. This is my uh-huh. wife had some th- friends and things she wanted okay. to do, and sure. that involved a lady up in... Uh, York, Maine, okay. and then we came back through um, the Amish communities mm-hmm. in Lancaster. Yeah. Yeah, okay. I, I've driven everywhere imaginable in this country, I c- so I can you, imagine. you're speaking my language. Fantastic. Okay. Yeah, and then uh, from there, we headed down to the Smokies. Okay. So we stayed down at uh, Pigeon Forge for a couple of days. Dollywood. Love oh, it. Amazing. Interesting place, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, I've got some yeah. great, this, yeah, this is why I wanted to give you some perspective yeah, on some, the trip. There's, there's some interesting shit going yep. on in Pigeon Forge. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And... Um, then we headed over to Nashville uh-huh. uh, just to see if it was as big as uh, and bright as we hoped it would be. Exceeded our expectations. Oh, good. Okay. Great, glad, great glad couple of days it. there. Yeah. Then flew to Denver. Okay. Drove through. Uh, I like how you flew over the boring, the, the boring drive. We were yeah. conscious of that. Yeah. We, we have a country with nothing in the middle <laughs> as well, Matt. <laughs> <laughs> you know the strategy. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Not to crap on Kansas and Nebraska. No, I'm sh- and it's nice sure it's people yep. driving. No. Yeah. yeah I, okay. That was pretty. Yeah, uh, yeah. Obvious Good to me. move. Good uh, move. I'm with you so far. And then Colorado. Then, to here. then got an entertaining car instead of the Honda HRV hire car I had uh-huh. prior to that. You got the Mustang convertible. Yes. Yeah. Standard American uh, rental car. Yep. Yes. Yep. And it's. Uh, Four cylinder, Ecotech? four cylinder, EcoBoost. Oh, EcoBoost. Sorry, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah that sure. branding has worked out very well for Ford. Yeah, when yeah. They first put a turbo on a car and said, "No, no, it's EcoBoost." We were like, <laughs> "Shut up!" And now everyone's like, "Is that the EcoBoost?" Yeah. <laughs> really, they really drilled it into us. Yep. yep. Okay. So the, and, yeah, the Mustang convertible is all right. Yeah. So driving. So we went through uh, through Leadville over Independence mm-hmm, Pass into mm-hmm. Moab. Oh, sorry, Aspen. Yeah. Aspen to Moab. 
You, this is good driving you've done. Yeah, this yeah. This is all right. You, yeah, you've is. really done a cross section of America. <laughs> yeah, that was the plan. Yeah, yeah. You've you've got a, you've got pretty much all the good bits nailed. Yeah, that's uh, uh, that was the hope. Yeah. And then um, we're now you're going we, up north to San Francisco. We are. We okay. are from Moab. We came through. I've lost track. It was only a couple You're, of days That's ago. Utah. So did you go through like Zion and Bryce? No, and no. We went, um, we went south down through uh, Grand Canyon Junction. Oh, great. Yeah, okay, so yeah. did that and yeah. uh, into Las Vegas, of course. Sure, as one does. It's getting, so, t- it's getting tired. Vegas? Yeah. Oof. The car's getting tired? Or no, no. T- <laughs> Las Vegas is getting tired. Well, yeah. I mean, Las Vegas is like, a, you know, there's, there's two kinds of people. People who love Vegas and people who never have to go there ever again. Yeah, and I am in the latter category. Well, the last time I went, Matt, was in 1998. Oh, it's different. It is. Yeah. But you know what? A lot of the place hasn't been renovated that much either. You know, like a lot of the hotel rooms. Well, and- the, yeah, of course, you, you either, there's, there's some, I have to go to Vegas a lot. Sure. Right? It's not only is it do, uh, do a lot of my work things happen in Vegas, um, but people have uh, bachelor parties. You might call them stags. Sure. No, uh, we call them bachelor parties. You know, bachelor parties? Okay, yeah. sorry. Uh, the, uh, or, or whatever, there's there's always some kind of occasion to go to a, Vegas. A reason to go to Vegas you wish you didn't have to go for. Right, yeah. The SEMA show, which if you've heard of, the I SEMA have. show, the aftermarket thing, it's like a big deal every year. So you, you develop strategies for Vegas. Sure. Uh, my strategy is I don't go to the Strip. The yeah, main, okay. I, I actually like, I prefer... To one of I do one of two things. One is I stay at one of the sort of spa resorts outside of town, sure. where there's like no casino and 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 it's quiet and that's kind of nice. I just pretend like it's Phoenix, yeah. basically. <laughs> okay, yeah, yeah. And I eat all the Chinese and Vietnamese food because the Chinese and Vietnamese and Cambodian Southeast Asian food in Vegas is epic and cheap. I wish I'd have known that before. That's right? the move. Or Old Vegas, downtown Vegas, Fremont Street, which does have casino hotels, but it's much more walkable. You sure. can you can actually cross a street. You you know there's there's f- freestanding bars and restaurants you can walk to that are not attached to a casino, and it's much more uh, generally more pleasant. Yeah, yeah. So, that's, but, uh, yeah. We 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 went through the uh, Fremont precinct. Yeah, as we're leaving. It's cool. Town. So yeah, next time you're stuck in Vegas for anything, stay over there. And you'll have a better time. Great, great. Yeah. And uh, yeah, and then headed came in for coming to LA yesterday. And well, the, you've done a lot of driving. The chaos of your motorways around yeah. here, freeways. Well, you came in yesterday on a Saturday afternoon. Yeah. So I, I, one of my hobbies is traffic, and I've read books on traffic and studies on traffic. Saturday afternoon is by far the worst traffic of the week in the city. Great to know. Yeah, because like. You know, people commute, obviously, on the weekdays, but on a Saturday afternoon, everybody's doing something. Yeah, yeah. They're shopping, they're at a park, they're going to do something with their kids, whatever. And so the the biggest piece of advice I give to anyone who's coming to Los Angeles is Saturday between 10 a.m. and 4 p.m., be wherever you want to be, but don't be going somewhere because yeah, yeah, yeah. you will want to hang yourself. I mean, yeah, L.A. is known for its traffic, and L.A. traffic sucks, and there's no rhyme or reason about it. Um, and it offsets the balance of the fact that we have these incredible mountain roads sure. where I get to do my job. Yeah. And it's, you know, it's our, our mountains here are second only to, like, Switzerland. 
you know, when it comes to driving. I mean, yes. we have these unbelievable roads that I can test sports cars on, and we have a year-round, you know, beautiful weather all year, mostly. So, so I would, it's, a, I would, it's a trade. I would actually suggest that there are a lot of aspects that are more appealing than Switzerland, because I've had quite a bit of experience in Switzerland myself. The policing in Switzerland is somewhat more ruthless than it is yeah, in California for as a general sure, rule. For sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. And you, like your point that you made about driving all year round as well yes. is uh, quite um, attractive. Yeah, Switzerland obviously is not a good place to speed. Uh, you, you don't want to do that. Although on the actual mountain passes, there's sig it's, significantly less enforcement. And it's difficult to speed anyway. Yeah, you, right. The road right, limits you right. as fast and as you And up go. here on, on our roads, um, it's, you know, when I go out there, which is very, very early in the morning, sunrise, sure. I'm up there. I'm the first car on the hill. You know, those roads are pretty far in the middle of nowhere. Yes. From, from here, it, you know, in the morning with no traffic, it's like 45 minutes to an hour. With traffic, it could be almost two hours to yeah, get out sure. there. So it's not like it's around the corner. Um, and fortunately, you know, my day-to-day -day life is not... People also, when they come to L.A., it doesn't look that big on the map, oh, man. and people want to do a bunch of stuff. And so they find themselves driving all over the city to do all this stuff. And then they realize, A, it's huge, and B, the traffic sucks. And C, the average speed of travel in the city is like 15 miles an hour. And so, oh, 15 miles away, like that's no big deal. Well, that's, that's an, an hour. hour. Yeah. <laughs> so, so my day-to-day -day life, my, my world is not that big. It's yep. probably a three- or four-mile circle, and that's really about it. And I ride motorcycles. And I don't know about Australia, but lane splitting is legal here, I'm, which is I'm very not sure civilized. Of, I'm not sure of the legality of lane splitting, but in Australia, of the trend I've noticed is, oh, when, I'm going to generalize here mm. because where I live in Australia, it's not like the East Coast. Yeah, we, you, we have Earth a lot of is yeah, roomy. It is, and like we got big. It's a modern city. Yeah, the roads are built for the size sure. cars we have today. Right. Okay, so unlike. Los Angeles is quite evident by the fat cars are massive and the yeah. lanes seem narrow. Yeah, right? well, we have, we've had the same road standards for 50 years <laughs> and the cars are really pushing the, the boundaries of that. I, I would suggest it might be longer than 50 years because 50 could be years long, yeah. is 1970. Yeah, it's probably longer. <laughs> it's probably, you're right. It's probably, it probably goes back to the 30s. Yeah, probably. Yeah. Anyway, the um, but yeah, lane splitting, I'm not too sure. I don't think it's policed if it's illegal yeah. would be my observation. In, in America... It is illegal in 49 of the 50 states. Is California right? is the only state where it's legal, which is amazing because it's actually statistically safer. Most car on motorcycle crashes are not being hit from the side. They're actually rear endings where a motorcycle is in a line of cars waiting for a traffic light, another car doesn't see them and crushes them in between the cars. Sure. And if you can move to the front of that line, you are statistically much, much safer. Sure. It seems more dangerous because moving in that space in between cars seems scary, but it's actually statistically much safer. And A, and B, it is a, a very efficient way to not have traffic apply to you. Yeah, of course. So although I test cars for a living and I collect a bunch of old and stupid cars myself, day to day, I ride a Vespa. And like, it is the greatest mode of transportation, you know, and I can get anywhere I need to go in 20 minutes. I don't have to factor in traffic, and Lovely. life is fantastic. And it's lime green, which is just yep. awesome. Highly, highly uh, visible. Highly visible. Great. Yeah. I've uh, just personally, I didn't get my motor drive, motor car license until I was about 21, 22, uh -huh. because I was a motorcyclist because I left home young. 
yeah. moved to Sydney, Rebel. which was a big hustle bustle city mm-hmm. and same problem with mm-hmm. traffic. Not as intensity, not as great here, but yeah. still a lot. And uh, yeah, I saw no value in the car for the very sure. same reason you're yeah. doing what you, you yeah. do. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I drive cars, I, I test cars, and, and there are times where I need a car. But if I, I, I love, one of, my, one, of my, one of my things that I believe in is using the smallest vehicle that suits whatever your particular need is. You know, I, I, there's, sure, there's a need for a giant F-350 Super Duty truck, and if you have that need, buy one. But there's a lot of people in this country that do not have that need and buy that giant thing anyway, and that's stupid. On that topic, yeah. let's talk about Tennessee motor vehicles for a moment. Uh, sure. <laughs> yeah, we were going to try and uh, generalize about American cars, so yeah. back to that. <laughs> there's a thing with the guys there. Oh, that's a generalization. Yeah, yeah. I appreciate okay. when I say guys, but I know about 99.8% of my listeners of the podcast are yeah, men. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. The... Wheel offsets that they're putting on their trucks are oh like the I can see their disc rotors where yeah their where, wheels are sticking out yeah like, yeah if I said to you a sure. foot further than they should be sure and that happens here too can, and uh, I wonder if that is an intentional choice or someone who just points at a set of wheels and just goes ah, those without actually doing the math. No way. It's got to be it's way more conscious than that because all the guys are doing it yeah. you know mm. and like when you can see the rotor yeah. From behind yeah, the, that's bad. the truck, you that's, know that the offset, you know, that's can't, that can't be natural. And and underbody lighting on these trucks is uh, right. prolific over in Tennessee. Well, Twenty five year cycle. Yeah, that, okay. was, that was cool in the late nineties. Come back the street glow. Yeah, yeah. And uh, you know, I, I, you know, in fairness, when I my first car when I was a kid, I put the street glow on the car. What? This was nineteen ninety seven. This was three years or four years before the Fast and the Furious came out. Yeah, okay. the first one. So. I'm not going to say it was cool then. It probably wasn't, <laughs> but it definitely wasn't like eye-rollingly awful. And no one in my peer group was like, "Hey, you shouldn't do that." You do know by not following fashion, you're creating it. They, I mean, I was the inspiration <laughs> for that film. Clearly, I don't know if you, I don't know, if you know that's it. <laughs> but, um, but you know, now especially because it's so easy and cheap to do LED lighting strips. These were the ones I had were neon tubes. Like literal neon. Did they not get no? Nothing they had a up? shield. They oh, had a shield okay, on sure, them. Sure, sure. But you would have to screw them into your underbody. Into the body. Oh, yeah. man. And these neon tubes. And now they're you know you could put LEDs that that dance and do all kinds sure. of stuff. And so yeah, I mean people with uh, some people have have no taste. Uh, some people and I I'm not the arbiter of taste. I mean look at me. But but some <laughs> people. Um, don't don't know any better. And uh, and you know here in L.A. at least. Uh, I can't speak for Tennessee, but here in LA, like nobody sees your house. Everybody sees your car. Sure. And so your car is, is in, in this city is definitely for some people, part of your outfit. Got it. And so makes a lot of sense. You know, there are people and a lot of them listen to my show whose entire identities are wrapped up in their car. Sure. You know, their Instagram handle is Mustang Cobra Guy 425. And it's on their car. And it's well, don't don't get me <laughs> you gotta be a real special kind of special to put your Instagram handle on your car because <laughs> I mean, you, you know, the police understand how that works. Yes, yes I do. It's just really, really <laughs> dumb. But um but but yeah, the 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 offset on the trucks is a weird one and I, 
I, I guess it is, a, it is a style thing, but it's not good. No, it's oh, not look, good. you imagine how the car drives, or the truck oh, drives. Tr- trucks terrible. drive terrible anyway. You know what I mean? This is just at a new yeah, level. Yeah, yeah. Um, what about UTVs or side-by-sides on the road over there? Like, Legal in some states. Yeah, well, I saw yeah. them in Utah on yeah. the road. Yeah, and yeah. Like, some, some of these young guys and girls here, like, Lifting them a mile, yeah. you just about walk under these, yeah, yeah. and they drive them on the road. It's yeah. just crazy. Yeah, they're they're legal in some states. I, I don't know the whole list, but Utah, Arizona, certainly. I think Tennessee, they are legal uh, as long as the speed limit is below some certain sure. number. Um, I suspect they don't meet crash standards. No, can you imagine? No, no certainly not. No airbags or anything. And no, these people putting their kids not. in the back of these things. Yeah, no. I, I, I mean, look, if if you live some, if you're if you live just adjacent to a trail. And you're going a, a mile or two up the up up the road to get to the trail, like okay. But there are certainly people who use them as as cars uh, in those kinds of their areas. And like, I would maybe not do that. I just you know, what I here's what I like about those types of laws. It's the same thing I like about there not being a helmet law. You're not make you're not endangering someone else. If you want to endanger yourself. You want to ride a motorcycle without a helmet and and roll those dice. You want to drive a UTV on the street. You're probably not going to do too much damage to someone else. You know, you crash into a car with a UTV, you're probably doing less damage than if it was another car. Sure. Versus, you know, and I'm not trying to be anti-customization here, but versus, like, the offset wheels on a truck, like, there's so many videos of those wheels like flying off the trucks. Yeah, yeah. You're creating something that handles really poorly and oh by the way is enormous and very heavy. You're at a risk. You're you're putting some others in danger possibly at a greater percentage than you're putting yourself in danger. So, I'm against laws that prevent you from risking your own life and I am for laws <laughs> that make you that that make you putting others people's lives at risk more likely. Well, I was, we were driving down the uh, the road that goes down towards the smokes. I think it's the 61 or 81 or something. Whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Trucks, 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 trucks. Mm-hmm. All It's just nonstop trucks yeah. the whole way down there, right? The But you mean big semi-trucks? Semi, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Um, you know the word Americans use for trucks, such as the F-150 or that type or a Tacoma uh-huh. or something. We don't use the word truck to describe those vehicles in Australia. Uh-huh. What is okay. the word for that? It's a ute. Okay, Okay, sure. or, you know what I mean, or a dual yeah. cab is another word okay. that's used commonly. But anyway, uh-huh. so when I think truck, I think semi-trailer. Right, But right. regard, Sorry about that. But okay. regardless, this, these trucks are just non-stop. And some of them are driving like, they're clearly, you know, taking something to enhance their yeah. experience. Oh, right? yeah. And, uh, but when those things have an accident on that road, the... Back up for yeah. miles and yeah. miles and hours and hours because there was an incident yeah. in the opposite direction while we're heading down there. I would suggest it was about 25, 30 miles of Oof. no movement. Yeah, that's not great. You know, and when you talk about people take the risks, I often think about sure, we sh- should, we, we, the law shouldn't be there to protect them from hurting themselves. Yeah. But what the should the law should be there for me is to not that person not inconveniencing me for three hours waiting for them to yeah. get scraped up. Yeah, well, I hope they're not, like, through. dead. I mean, you, of know, course. I, I, you know, there's... there's well, I won't learn my, their lesson, will my I? My time is worth less than people's <laughs> lives, but, but yeah, I mean, it, it's... I, I hear you, and, you know, there's... There, if you have a huge accident, like, all right, there's yeah. going to be traffic. Like, what are you going to do? Yeah, I don't yeah, know. Yeah. But, but um, uh, 
in general, it's it is funny to see UTVs and stuff with that are registered and and in our system and I mean maybe it's maybe Australia is not as um, that maybe the the states or the territories don't have quite so much differentiation between their laws. I mean in in America. From state to state, the laws can be wildly different. It's amazing. Yeah. As as a tourist coming in and and driving it through the number of states I have. And it's part of what makes America interesting. Of course. um, Especially as a a foreigner, because you can can see the change happening in in real time in ways that you can't, you know, if you were to drive across Germany or Italy, you might not immediately notice that there's a different law here or here. But if you go from California to Colorado to Florida... You know, you will understand that there are different <laughs> rules in these places, and and people f- choose to follow them in different ways. What's what's very interesting on that topic is what and how each of these rules are actually policed. Right. Because I was pulled over by a state trooper in Virginia on my way south. Oh shit! How fast were you going? Eighty-four and a seventy. Uh, that's a misdemeanor, isn't it? You have a mandatory court appearance. I'll talk about that off uh, podcast. <laughs> However, yeah, Virginia I, is the worst place in America to speed. I have t- I I have uh, taken the opportunity to go to um, off the record. Oh, you did? I have. Yeah. Yes, they will and, help um, you out. And used the TST ten code. Off the record, <laughs> will help you out. I was going to suggest that. Do they do they have a do they have a section for foreigners? Uh, the the conversation's ongoing. Great. Okay. Yeah. Yep. Go definitely use them in Virginia for sure. What I was quite uh, what I found quite interesting. Yeah. Is the experience of being pulled over by a state trooper here compared to a police officer in Australia? Uh-huh. Well, firstly, scary. Oh, look, he just didn't know what to do when I pulled out an Australian license. Uh huh. You uh-huh. know so. It was a 30-minute experience. Right. You know, so that in itself was I recommend breaking driving laws in America as a foreigner because most cops don't know what to do with I, a foreign I license. Genuinely was you can ho- usually just get out of it. They usually just give up. I was genuinely hoping after a certain amount of time he would get to that point. Yeah. However, that wasn't the case. If you are, I, furthermore, I'll, I'll asterisk that. If you're a foreigner that speaks fluently a foreign language. Just start using that language. And can pretend to not understand English, do whatever the fuck you want. I Ooh. mean... As long as it's not Spanish. <laughs> yeah, because they all speak Spanish. A bunch of them speak Spanish, and also they don't, uh, they're racist. Let me just say oh, that. Really? They're ra- the police are very racist. Right, okay. But if you're speaking German or French or Dutch or something like that, uh, you could get out of almost anything. Yeah, okay. Yeah. The, but Australian, um, you probably seemed very charming and, and friendly. Well, what's been very interesting on the trip in general on that mm. point is the number of people that have just said, oh, your accent, I could listen to it all day. And all I think is, I sound like it. I speak half through my nose because I'm Australian. Yeah. You know, we... we so it's considered a romance language here in America. Yeah, and that is funny, right? Because yeah. there, there are a few languages that sound as, oh, I don't even like, I guess, uh, backcountry than yeah. an Australian it accent, does. you know? It does, yeah. But um, it's it's charmingly... Uh, it's It's... It's deeply unthreatening to an American yeah, to hear. Yeah, okay, yeah, that's, a, that's a great way to describe it. Yeah, I have you know I have friends who are English, and most of them are total morons, but they sound, sound intelligent. Ge- they sound genius, <laughs> you know, and so so that's they, they have a, they have a leg up on us. We have a uh, you know? an incredibly high English population in Perth. Like, of course, we have something like I think there's something like six suburbs have more English in them than more than something like than 30 England. suburbs in the UK. Yeah. You know what I mean? So it's uh, fascinating. Interesting. I think it's because 
Perth is the closest to the UK when it comes to flying to Europe back and forth. Oh, I guess you go that way. Yeah, you go yeah, the we, other yeah, way. Of course, yeah. Oh, yeah. all right. I ha- well, I hadn't done the math on yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, that does that tracks. Yeah. yeah. Um, Tale of the Dragon. Sure. Great experience, even in a terrible rental car. Yeah, right? it's, a, it's an interesting road. You understand why it's a tourist destination. For sure. Um, in my opinion, the the roads around Tale of the Dragon are sure. actually better. Mm-hmm. The Charahola Skyway just south of Tale of the Dragon is unbelievable. Um, and, um, you know, like, like a lot of the best uh, tourist destination roads in the States, you know, you want to go early in the morning. You can have a nice, clean, clean run through there. And uh, also, like a lot of the best roads in the States, you know, if you're going too fast, you don't need to worry about the police. You're just going to have a massive crash. Interestingly, or well, firstly, the road itself pretty much controls. Sure. Yeah, yeah. How fast you're going to go. Yeah. Like, you know, I'm sure. I the... believe in physical speed limitations <laughs> as opposed to signs yeah, yeah, and legal sure. ones. And that road uh, does control your pace very but well. The last half mile, when I say the last, I'm saying heading towards Chiloé. The, the southern, the southern, going south. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Going um, away from yeah. Knoxville. Yes. Yeah. That there, there was an unmarked motorcycle policeman mm-hmm. pulling over motorcyclists. Yeah. There was two unmarked police cars yeah. with radars out in sure. that section down there. Yeah. And they were just pinging people all day. It happens. I mean, yeah. you know, you, you, if you want to go see some of the some of the greatest roads, that's going to be the case. You know, sure. like people who drive the PCH, uh, you know, here uh, through Malibu going north. Oh, my God, there's so many cops. Yeah, you were out there on a Sunday morning. <laughs> yeah, of course, there, there's a lot of cops. You think you're the first person to want to drive a sports car up this road? <laughs> they have figured this out, you know? Yeah, so yeah, yeah, yeah. that's why, an, another reason why I I like to drive the roads around that area that are not as famous and well-known. And um, not that I want to be some, like, you know, I'm not, running a, I'm not running a toge, yeah, yeah. But, but, you know, a little less stress mm-hmm. uh, on some of the roads around. And that whole area, the Smoky Mountains, are some of the best places in the world to drive a sports car. The road, quality, the road quality in general compared to yeah. e- nearly everywhere else I've been in the U.S. Yeah, is Tennessee has great Stunning pavement. roads. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Tennessee, uh, unbelievable pavement quality. Colorado, unbelievable pavement quality. Um, strangely, West Virginia, which is a state that is like, broke most of the time. They have, sure. like, no money. Also, well, Kentucky. Because they're fixing their roads. Yeah, <laughs> Kentucky is a state that has, like, no money, and their roads are very good. Um, that it, theory, then, would lead me to suggest that both New York and New Jersey must be very wealthy because they're not spending a brass razoo on their roads. Yeah. They could be the worst roads in the developed world. Um, probably New York City, certainly. Oh. Jersey has its places. You sure. probably didn't drive through them, but Jersey does have some good roads. And in fact, uh, the what what they refer to as upstate New York State, sure. the the northern part, has some unbelievable roads. But yeah, New York City. Oh, you know, I mean, look, any city that's a few hundred years old and has is, millions of people and living has in millions it. of people sure. and has four seasons of weather. You know, is going to have. You know, if you've ever been to Boston, if you think if you think. New York City roads are bad. Try Boston or Philadelphia because, boy, are you in for a ride. Is that right? Oh, yeah. Boston, <laughs> it, it, I mean, top three worst roads in, in the U.S. are definitely Boston, then Philly, then then uh, New York City. Well, yeah, okay. Yeah. I'll uh, steer clear of those for my driving but, experiences. What I would say about the whole driving around Tennessee mm-hmm. was I have a 981 GT4. Uh-huh. I would have preferred to have that. 
Because I think it would have been a cracker of a car. It's a great car. Yeah, it would have been so perfectly suited to those tight stuff, and it's a smaller car on those roads. I think it would have been. It would have been very good. I mean, I you know I have a Spider, a seven one eight Spider, which is the right size, basically the perfect car for everything. Yeah, yeah. Um, You know, you can argue whether you want a hard top or a soft top. I don't, I don't care. Pick whichever one you like. Yeah, but. But that is the perfect car for basically any task. Yes, yes. Mm-hmm. Um, cars, we do, I actually want to ask you about luxury SUVs for a moment. Two things. Firstly, whenever I hear yourself as a journalist talk about luxury SUVs, I'm thinking Cullinan's, Bentayga's, uh-huh. big monster things, you know what I mean? The yeah. limousines that are up high, essentially. Yeah. Why doesn't anyone ever talk about the Lincoln Navigator? Because I saw one the other day, and I saw inside it, and I think that was a pretty special motor vehicle. The Navigator, when the Navigator first came out in, uh, I want to say it was maybe 1999 or 2000. Oh, yeah, that first one, yeah, year. Yeah, yeah. yeah for, it was, it was, the Navigator was the luxury SUV to have. Sure. Until the Escalade came out. And okay. the Escalade just killed its cool immediately. Yeah, okay. And... Uh, the Navigator is actually a very nice, well-made thing, despite being enormous. Sure. Know, I have my own issues with that. Yeah, but, yeah. but the the seats, the the tech, um, the the it's it's actually a very nice thing. This one I saw was a twenty-two model, so yeah. it's very current. Yeah, right? yeah. And it was they, just stunning yeah, inside. Yeah, the interiors are great. They've all they've never been able to catch Cadillac. Right. Okay. In terms of. Um, sales, and so you probably see five to one Escalades to Navigators. Mm-hmm. Um, but and and, and I, my my best guess as to why that is is because the the type of people who buy those vehicles just don't think they're as cool. Got it. They just okay. think the Escalade is a cooler truck. Sure. I've driven I've driven both. Uh, they're basically interchangeable. Sure. <laughs> um, and Escalade, uh, Navigator's not available with a V8. Really? I mean, they were. They were. Yeah, yeah, but, but now, currently, now yeah. EcoBoost, Twin Turbo <laughs> 6, and the Escalade is still being sold with the Corvette-based LT yeah, okay. engine. So for some people, that's like a thing. Yeah, okay. The um, I would have to say as an observation on the roads from my trip arriving even to my last 24 hours in LA. Mm-hmm. There's nowhere near as many EVs as I expected. Um, you, there, there's pockets. Sure. So LA, there's a ton of them. You hear, you mean, you, if you drive around our city, it's, yeah, it's an enormous market. Sure, here. and I've seen, that, you know, before to coming here, sure. I wouldn't have seen 25 yeah. e, uh, EVs full stop. Yeah. And that was only Tesla and Rivian. Nothing, no Euro brands. I didn't see any Euro brands until I got here. Right. And uh, yeah, I, I was just, for some reason... The perception in our media at home is that this is the next thing and it's inevitable, right? Well, they certainly want you to think that, but don't they? It wouldn't be one in a hundred cars. No, I think EV market share right now is like three or four percent, and I'm talking about new car sales. Sure, sure. So if you factor that into all the cars that were already here, it's, yeah, 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 it's a very small number. It's, it's amazing. And I mean, but 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 also if you drive in a lot of those other states, Maine, sure, Vermont, not suitable because the distance. But you, yeah, but you're and the temperature swings. Oh yeah, uh, okay. they're very cold. They're not great in the cold. But but also, you don't see a lot of German cars. Period. You're right. Um, Americans love American middle cars. Middle America, yeah, they're they're. They're a lot cheaper. Sure. Um, the there's more dealers, you know, around. Sure. Um, 
And yeah, there is there is a national pride of, uh, and also we have this thing, uh, and I'm generalizing, but there's a lot of folks in the country. Well, my my father was a Ford man, and there and therefore I'm a Ford man. I get it. You know, or or my, both my parents and my grandparents worked at Ford. Yeah, and know, so, so 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 that that thing kind of happens. But yeah, I mean, I I I'm not necessarily surprised. Um, a, in this country right now, a lot of people, we have massive income inequality, and a lot of people can't afford new cars. Sure. And older cars are staying on the road longer and longer each year. The average age of a car on the road in America right now is like 12, 13 years. Well, Yeah, that's average. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, fortunately, the cars that were made in the 90s and 2000s were overwhelmingly decent quality, so they can be kept on the road for sure. a long time. But a lot of people can't afford new cars. Those people that can afford new cars, a lot of them, you know, we don't we don't have great EV infrastructure here. Um, we, it's not been supported the way it should have been in a government from a government perspective and 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 that kind of thing. Um, if you don't live in a home where you can have a level two charger at your house, unusable. It's, it's not. It's an, it's a an, it's a headache. Sure. Because the fa- if you have to go use a fast charger, that's nearly as expensive as gas. Yeah, I've seen the if, prices at the, yeah, at the uh, yeah. stations. You know, fuel EVs stations. are expensive. The average price of an EV is like fifty, sixty thousand dollars, and and fast charging is expensive. It's probably three quarters of the price of a tank of fuel, and our fuel is cheap. Even in the months where our fuel is expensive. It's still cheap compared to the rest of the civilized world. I want to talk to you about fuel for a second. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Coming through Middle America, often I'm seeing fuel at three fifty a gallon. Yeah, really often. cheap. Yeah, and I'm listening to the local radio because if there's one thing I love about traveling, it's listening to local radio uh-huh. wherever I go. Right. Yeah. And they're talking about, oh, the fuel costs will be coming back down again soon. So, you know, around October, November. And because all our fuel comes out of California, uh-huh. they're saying, right, that, you know, there's there's something to do with the trucking at the moment. Or, I don't know. I didn't get the exact details. There's a lot of refineries here. In and then I California. get to California and, and see that your fuel is like $2 more. <laughs> yeah. Taxes. Unless, unless, of course, you're near here. And you see all those prime trucks and this service station just on the corner here. Well, that's, it must be about six or seven dollars a gallon there. Right. So that I mean, that guy, the guy who owns that gas station, uh, that's capitalism. So we have an Amazon, <laughs> yeah, an yeah. Amazon warehouse around the corner from us, and every hour, on the hour, a hundred gray vans come out of that place. And they all fill up right here at this <laughs> gas station. And when they open that place, within about a month, the gas prices went up a dollar fifty a gallon. Because this guy's like, fuck Jeff Bezos, yeah, dude. He's got, he's got enough. I want some. Yeah. So there's another gas station just up the road. So I don't I don't fill up here ever. Yeah, yeah. But I laugh my ass off at the fact that this guy is just taking Bezos's money, selling overpriced gas. I would suggest that could be the most valuable fuel station in this part of uh, Los Angeles. You know, mean, if you ever sold be. it. And we have, you know, there's there's um, look, we do have expensive gas here. The gas taxes that, that California oh, okay. puts on their gas are very high. And, that, and they're not using that money to fix a lot of your roads, though. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, there's, there's, I mean, look, there, there's, it's a very complicated issue, cool and taxes. I don't want to oversimplify where that money is supposed to go, where it does go. California is far from perfect, and, and they do a lot of things wrong. And, but but um, I, I will say that... that even in California with expensive gas, I've been enough places in the world. To know you live in the right place? It's, it's not so expensive. Is, is everyone driving a Prius? 
Has everyone decided that gas is expensive and so we're going to downsize our life and not drive a giant fuel-sucking truck? In, in the months where gas goes down to $4 a gallon, which the cycle is between 4 and $6 a sure, gallon. Sure. In the, in, okay. Which is expensive for America but cheap for anywhere else. Yep. Except like the Middle East. Of course. In the months where it's cheap, People go out and buy Escalades and giant trucks and Range Rovers. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and then they and then they go on social media and they complain that the gas is so expensive. Whereas this this happens all the time, and they are completely unprepared for it. Classic. And, uh, and don't tell me they get it on finance, they complain about the interest rates as well. Well, the, uh, well, something very stupid that we do in America, which is unbelievably dumb. In the eighties, when Japanese manufacturers started selling these pickup trucks, the, the, the Tacoma and the, and the, um, uh, the Nissan uh, the hard body trucks and stuff. Little trucks, like, like you see all yeah, over the place yeah. now. Oh, they, 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 that's what we have in Australia. Right. Biggest selling motor vehicle. Right. So, so Americans, American manufacturers lobbied the government to, build, to have an incentive to have Americans buy their tr American trucks sure. rather than these smaller, lighter, better made, sure. more fuel efficient Japanese trucks. So they came out with a tax deduction that if you buy, if you own a business, it could be a big business, it sure. could be a small business, it doesn't matter. You could, it could be a fucking made up business, basically. If you buy a, tr a, a truck over a certain weight, you can depreciate the entire vehicle in one year. The in first, one year. The first year, yeah. So it, when that law came into effect, it was really only very heavy-duty vehicles. that, And people in the 1980s were not driving these big trucks every single day. They were driving those uh, sedans. And yeah, get right. And, and real construction people used trucks, sure. right? And real people that towed stuff used trucks. And God well, does. now, G-Wagons, Range Rovers, electric vehicles... Um, or all over that weight threshold, aren't they? As well as all the consumer-grade trucks and SUVs, many of the consumer-grade trucks and SUVs that people are buying just to use as cars are over that weight. So our government, and this is a federal government, is subsidizing you to buy a bigger, heavier car than you need rather than subsidizing the people who choose to have a smaller physical and environmental footprint. We, we, have, we have a similar law in Australia for tax subsidy mm -hmm. in that... If you have a vehicle associated with a business yeah. that is has any personal use, you pay a fringe benefit tax sure. on top of yeah. your normal tax, right? Yeah. If the vehicle is capable of a payload over yeah. one metric ton, right. you don't, you're exempt from that. Right. Okay? So that's how ours is calculated as well. It's, it's called gross vehicle weight here, sure? which is the weight of the vehicle plus everything it can potentially yeah, okay. carry. Okay. That's how they calculate sure. it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, I oversimplified that's okay. it, yeah. uh, curb weight versus gross weight, yeah. but that's, it's basically the same thing. Yeah, okay. Yeah. A um, couple of uh, questions about Matt Farah. Okay. My favorite kind of question. <laughs> Is that your wife speaking or yourself? <laughs> she would agree. Yes, yes, yes. Um, before automotive journalism, mm -hmm. did you do any other sort of journalism? No. So you've just come into cars and you've been yeah, yeah, typed no, up cars ever to since? To me, it was more cars than journalism. Great, I, okay. I, I, I use the word journalist about myself yes. because... I try to hold myself to journalistic standards of ethics sure. as opposed to YouTuber or influencer. 
trying um, to get what I have they can no, get. I have no formal journalism background. My yep. my university study was photography, mm -hmm. which d does come in handy quite a bit. I can imagine. Um, and uh, and I worked in a variety of different car businesses. I worked at dealerships. I worked at exotic car rental companies. I started a car wash and detailing shop. I've I've trailered cars. I've I've towed cars. I've I've done stuff in the car industry, and that's what my background. Got it. Was. Okay. Yeah, yeah. With with the journalist side of things, mm -hmm. and you writing stories as opposed to talking or videoing. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. How much, in, how much um, work is it for you to craft your stories, do you think, compared to someone that would be formally trained? Do you think I over time you've yeah. developed the skill? Yeah, or? yeah. I was never that great of a writer sure. before, like in school. I was okay, but yeah. I was never that great. Mm -hmm. It was only when I understood, and I think I probably learned it maybe from Clarkson. I mean, I always read, I, reading about cars and life Reading is my preferred method of content consumption. Sure. And I don't want to sound like a snob. It's not like I'm reading like 100 books a week or something. Yeah, yeah. But uh, when I want to learn about something, I, I prefer to read it rather than watch a video or something else. And when I, when I started understanding that some of my favorite uh, people who did television or broadcast and then wrote something... What was important about that was that the written piece sounded like they were sitting there reading it to you. And I could hear their voice as if they were reading it to sure. me. And I, when I started understanding that and I said, well, I, I could just maybe write like I talk, which doesn't have to be technically grammatically perfect. It just has to be an interesting story that if someone reads it, they could almost hear me saying it out loud. I yeah, was okay. better at talking than I was at writing. Sure. And I said, well, what if, what if my writing was just an optimized and edited version of my talking? And that helped me a lot um, become a, a better writer. And I'm not the best writer in the world. Sure. I'm okay. I can tell, I can tell a story, but, I but, think. But I, from my understanding, it is an income stream for you. Oh yeah, I'm editor at large of a car magazine. Th therefore, it can't. It, you know, it's it's obviously the standard that the um, oh, sure. that the consumer enjoys. Sure, yeah, yeah. yeah. More, and more importantly, my editor enjoys yeah. it, and he's the <laughs> one who sends the checks every month. So, so yeah, I've had I've had very supportive and very talented editors who have. I always go long. You know, they say, okay, we want fifteen hundred words, and I'll give them seventeen hundred or eighteen hundred. Sure. And so I've always. So, so when they want to chop shit out, it's... yeah, and I've I've always. Most of the time, I've worked with editors who figure out what to cut and what to tweak yeah, okay. to make me sound a little better than what I've turned in. Mm -hmm. But the end, the, the end piece usually ends up sounding like it's all my voice anyway. Yeah, so perfect. That's I mean that's mm -hmm. that's yeah, what great. writing is. Yeah. What interests do you have outside of motor cars? Uh, well, we have my my wife and I have cats, and we love we love our cats, and we 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 built a house that is really like built around our. We don't have kids, and we're not going to have kids, and so we we built a house that's really optimized for our cats' enjoyment. Sure. Um, uh, like I said, I, I I read a lot. I read about politics. I read about history. I, I study traffic. <laughs> um, uh, you know, I love music and uh, and comedy, stand up comedy. I go to a lot of stand up comedy, and um, um, 
uh, and I'm, I go to the gym every single day. I mean, it may not look it, but I work out seven days a week. Um, well, you look half the man I've seen. I've lost some weight. I'm working on it. It's it's all it's well been a, a lifelong kind of struggle. Um, I've always it's always been a, a hard thing for me. Um, and in in your forties, it's a fine line between gaining and losing. Oh, you wait till you get to your fifties, my friend. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm sure it'll get easier. Um, but yeah, I mean that's that's a bunch of stuff. And I cook. I, I cook. I love cooking. Yeah, so, great. So you know that's a bunch of things, and and I fit them around my work, which. You know, between videos, podcasts, writing, and then a, a, a brick and mortar business that's open seven days a week, now with a second location, uh, I, I managed to keep myself pretty busy. Let's talk about this business for the listeners out there. We are sitting in Matt's studio at the moment, podcast studio. Westside Collector Car Storage. And how long have you been going? Uh, I built the building in, uh, bought the property in 2016. It took five years to build this, so we opened. It's a lot of time with no income. Yeah, we opened. Uh, uh, it's at the end of 2020, and uh, we we've been you know pretty successful here, happy, and uh, just opened our second facility about eight miles southeast of here. Sure. Um, and uh, that one's is going well too. It took. It, I, I learned some lessons in the construction process. So the second one only took about two and a half years to build, it, rather than five. So the next so, one, you'll eventually get down to twelve months if you uh, world well, domination of I, car I, storage. So the, <laughs> we opened. The, we we just opened the second one, and I actually bought the building next door. So we're gonna expand that second location to the to the building next door. So I'm hoping we get that one down to about. 18 months. Yeah, okay, good yeah, one. Yeah, yeah. The, I imagine the second one would have, oh, this is an assumption, of course. The second one, even though it took the time it did at two and a half uh, years, it would have been easier knowing that this place had an income stream sure. to fund that yeah, process, yeah, yeah. I can imagine. You know. Yeah, I mean, it, yes. This one, to be building and building and waiting and building for that long without money coming in was very, very stressful. And and they and even when the building was totally finished, looked totally finished, ready to move in, it took a further because we finished it in April of 2020. Which uh, what was everybody doing in April of 2020? They weren't leaving their homes. They were open. not not going to work. <laughs> yeah. I'll tell you that much. And so it took almost eight months to get what they call certificate of occupancy which says your building is finished, it's safe, you may legally open your business. So What they were doing, though, was buying cars they didn't have space for. <laughs> right, <laughs> right. So, yeah, I mean, the good news, you know, we got, we got, you know, hosed in the paperwork process of COVID. Sure. And then we opened, you know, right at sort of the peak of COVID, September, October 2020. And um, it was concerning. But uh, as it turns out, you know, people spent 2021 and 2022 buying cars. And so... Um, Guilty. Yeah. yeah I, I, I bought some cars as well. <laughs> and so, you know, it's, it's been a, a good business and it's a great backdrop for the other media things I do and vice versa. The, the, the talking about it on my show and other people's shows is, is, is unbelievable value when it comes to marketing the business. and. And, you know, when people come and see it, like you did, you know, they, they just, they take one step inside and they go, 
this guy's not messing around. Yeah, this is uh, this is a serious serious thing. It so. is definitely a serious thing, and it's a um, it's a credit to your ability to um, deliver an outcome because the place is amazing, and it's. If you uh, if I if I lived in California, I would be tapping on the shoulder thanks. for my car storage yeah, solution. Thanks. I mean, I look. I, you know, we have architects and engineers and and very smart people that did all the really hard things. But you knew what you wanted. Yeah, and that's, and that's ultimately we knew what we wanted, and, and 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 more importantly, we knew what the customers would want because you know we, we don't we don't lose a lot of people. You know, if someone yep. moves to a different city or they sell the car, you know, okay, but but. We don't have a lot of people that go. You're you're not delivering on what you promised here, and so I'm going to take my car and go somewhere else. Sure. I, look, I'm, I was up until two years ago, a small business owner, sold bicycles for a living, mm. had about seventy staff. Mm. It was a reasonable sized business, and um, so I've got some appreciation of what it takes to run yeah. a business. You know, as as well as try to live a life and. Yeah. You know, it's you, you get very little time to yourself. Yes, and it's I mean, it's a good thing I don't have kids because they would be they would be missing out. But it's to go from uh on the one hand, you know, the internet exists in time and space. And so I always treated the smoking tire as a 7-day a week job anyway. Sure. So I'm used to days of the week not really meaning Many, anything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But to to now to to add on top of that a 7-day a week physical business with nine employees and, uh, you know, people need PT, personal time off or sick of days or, or whatever, and you've got customers and you're trying to deliver a very high level of service, not just make a video and put it out on time, but, but actually make sure that this person's very important car, it could be expensive, it could be cheap, but it's very important, make sure that this person feels safe, is safe, and is well taken care of on a one-to-one -one level, seven days a week is, is very challenging. Mm, I appreciate um, it. So I have a, I, I think I have a pretty good team here. I'm, I'm happy with, with everybody. We, we haven't lost a lot of employees. We've been open for three years, and, and we've, we've gone from three employees to nine employees, and we've only ever lost two. And so um, it's, we're, it's pretty good and a lot of happy customers. And, great. And it's a great place to create content as well. The... I have like five minutes, so that's okay. Yeah. Yep, no yeah. problem. Um, YouTubing and podcasting. Do you th how do you see the future of YouTube? You th you, look, it's a it's a pretty crowded space. Yeah, to YouTube sucks. Like I'm I'm over YouTube. Like I don't actually enjoy making videos. No, I'm not saying I don't, because videos have to look fun. Of course. And so I hope that the end result is a fun video, but. Uh, I would have hoped that YouTube, for me, would have meant growth. And instead, it's not. It's actually been squeezed, squeezed, squeezed. And so, when I first started making videos, I had a film crew, my three friends. We'd go make videos sure. together. It was a day with my friends, and we'd ha it, was, it was fun. Now, 85% of the time I make a video, it's by myself. So, I'm not just thinking about what I'm gonna say in the car. I've also got to physically be setting up the cameras, physically make sure the audio is good, be on both sides of the thing. Just very, very stressful. And oftentimes I do, I'm doing this in a scenario where I only have one crack at it. Sure. I'm on a press launch, I get four laps around a racetrack, that's it. Sounds like only one take. Yeah, well fortunately I have that, that one, that's my only real skill. 
is that I can do that in the one take. Other yeah. people would yeah. have, might have a much harder time, and and I don't know if it's it's. I'm sure it's a combination of practice and some kind of freakish natural ability to do mm -hmm. that. But like, it's not actually fun. Whereas writing and podcasting, I very much enjoy. Podcasting is sitting in a room I'm very comfortable with, with people I want to be sitting next to, having hopefully interesting or fun conversations. Yep, yep. Um, I, I don't have to get on planes. I don't have to get up at five in the morning to drive up a mountain and then sit in traffic on the way back. Yeah. I don't have to buy gas. I don't have to. I don't have to mount cameras to a hot, dirty car. Yeah, yeah, you yeah. know, mm -hmm. I, I'm I'm not sweating. Um, and writing is great because I get to go have that experience with the car, and then download it, and then contextualize it. With making the video, I need to have the experience and share the experience then, right then. Yes. And I can't, you just can't get everything all the time. And I don't have, sometimes I have a long time with the car and I can write it out, but, but not normally. Normally I don't. And so it would be great if the money justified. The time. The time Justified having someone helping me, justified an assistant, justified a cameraman, justified an editor. Any, any, well, <laughs> Zach, Zach edits mo almost all the videos. So, yeah, great. So it does justify that, but only only just, sure. only barely. Sure. And it's not getting better, is what I'm saying. Yeah, that yeah. trend isn't improving. Yeah. And so there will be a time when I am not long, not making videos anymore, and I'll still be writing, and I'll still be podcasting, yep. because those things are both worth the time, and the process is enjoyable. Yeah, fantastic. Yeah. Um, well, thank you very much for your time today. I've really appreciate it. Um, listeners out there, just to um, follow Matt, if you don't already, you'll know who he is, I'm sure, if you're a listener of my podcast, or a watcher of a video. Um, to give you a bit of an idea on my uh, opportunity here today, about two years ago, I reached out to Matt and said, Matt, I want to start a podcast. Can you come on it? And he sends me back a reply within minutes saying, you get to 50 and you reach out to me. I understand why. Yeah. Right? I'm up to about 75 now and okay. I finally got here to LA. Cool. All right. So I really appreciate you yeah. uh, taking the time. and. I've since upped my standards. I, yeah. now, I now tell people that I will guest on episode 100. Yeah, yeah. I, I, again, I understand why because of the uh, amount of work and time that this takes out of you, and this is your, well, you know, you know, your income. What happened? Yeah, look, it's, I'm happy to do it, but what, what happened a bunch is it, it's a, very, a very standard thing is people who are fans one way or another what I do sure. email me and say, I'm going to start a podcast, and I'd like you to be my first guest. Oh, yeah. Okay. And look, I'm happy to do a podcast with you and talk about cars and whatever, but, you know, by saying I'm going to do a one down the road and your very first one, it won't be good. We all know. Mine wasn't good. Go listen to my first episode. It was garbage. Like, and, and so, so by the time you get to 50 or 100, You'll have a, pr a process and a procedure. Maybe you'll have an audience. At least, at least you'll be understanding of the format and comfortable. Yeah, you know that just too. Talking and I feel like I feel like maybe I don't know if it, with you, but or somebody else. But I've had a couple people who say, "Hey, who've gone back and gone? It's a hundred. I'm here. I made it to a hundred. So I, if that was some level of inspiration for them to keep going and improving, 
then I've done a good thing for them, you know. Yep. And and I and if they get to a hundred, I'll do I do the show. Like I I'm not I'm not gonna I'm not. It wasn't a fancy blow off. Yeah, I, yeah. I you know I meant it. I, I know, appreciate it. Doesn't usually happen in person. Thanks for <laughs> Thank coming you very to see much. me. Yeah, have fun at Rensport. Thanks. Thanks, listeners. <laughs>